This program is a paid commercial announcement from Jacob Media Partners and does not reflect the views of WPHT or its management. Your radio doctor does not recommend or endorse any specific tests, physicians, products, procedures, opinions, or other information that may be mentioned on your radio doctor. Always consult your own physician. Today's program has been pre-recorded. When Recovery Centers of America at Devon opened its campuses on the main line and in South Jersey, they offered a new approach, local addiction treatment led by an expert, caring team of professionals. RCA has since helped thousands and leads the way in innovative programs and exceptional inpatient and outpatient care, all in a beautiful setting that allows for healing and recovery. RCA answers the phone and admits patients 24-7, 365, including the holidays. All admitted patients and staff are routinely tested for COVID-19. Call now at 1-888-RECOVERY. That's 1-888-RECOVERY. Talk Radio 1210. WPHT, WPHT, HD, WOGL, HD3, Philadelphia. A radio.com station. Live from the Malamud and Associates Law Studios, it's time for the Delaware Valley's first radio doctor. On call every Sunday morning at 10. This is your radio doctor with Dr. Marianne Ritchie. Presented exclusively by Independence Blue Cross. Listen, seven months or 10 months is an absolutely exceptional, exceptionally short time frame to produce this vaccine. Your health determines your life, your longevity, and your happiness. Let your radio doctor lead the way with your medical education. Your radio doctor, Dr. Marianne Ritchie. Good morning and welcome. Thanks for tuning in on this beautiful Sunday. This is Dr. Marianne Ritchie, your radio doctor. Cancer. No one ever wants to hear that word in the same sentence with their own name or the name of a loved one. As a physician, my job is not only to treat cancer, but to prevent it. Our guest today is dedicated to prevention and treatment of cancers that affect women. Dr. Eva Chalice, Professor and Vice Chair of the Department of Obstetrics and Gynecology at New York University Long Island School of Medicine, also the Physician Director of the Pearl Mutter Cancer Center, the NYU Langone Hospital, Long Island. And it's very important to explain that it has a great distinction. It's an NCI-designated comprehensive cancer center. This means that the National Cancer Institute recognizes only the most outstanding cancer centers for their leadership and wide range of research to find cutting-edge cancer therapy. And Dr. Chalice is the director of this center. She has multiple leadership position still and has had with the American College of Surgeons, the Society of GYN Oncology, many awards for teaching patient care and research. And most recently, she was the immediate past president of the American College of Obstetricians and Gynecologists. My friends, this means that she's respected and was elected by her peers for this prestigious society. Dr. Chalice just presided over a three-day national meeting by Zoom. More than 3,000 top docs from the country attended where they address today's important issues facing women's health care, which means we are especially honored that you found time to join us today. Welcome, Eva. Good morning, Marianne. Thank you so much for having me, and good morning to your listeners. It's a, an absolute pleasure to be here. Well, thank you, because your legacy is not just all these incredible titles, but the thousands of people that you've helped. So, Eva, we would say that we have national meetings, be it OBGYN or GI we establish guidelines and recommendations for patients, but you and I know that every case of endometriosis or high-risk pregnancy or ovarian cancer is different. So the theme of your national meeting this year was personalized care for good health, cancer prevention. Tell us what that means for patients. 
I think the most important thing is that many women um, really only are attended to by their obstetrician and gynecologists, and they view those physicians as their primary care physicians. And they go to them for many different reasons. And um, my thought was, we really need to focus on preventive care to keep the women in this country healthy. And if they develop any uh, conditions to be sure that um, we can go ahead and refer them to appropriate individuals. But very importantly, in pregnancy is one of the times that uh, we see forecasters of potential problems down the road, such as pregnancy-induced hypertension is associated with a fairly high risk of developing hypertension 20, 30 years down the road. Um, uh, gestational diabetes is another example where there's an increased risk of developing diabetes down the road. And we OBGYNs can potentially offer mitigation strategies to minimize the risk of these conditions developing. And that's what I would consider personalized care. Recognize risk factors and affect them in a positive way. And and you say it so beautifully because as as you mentioned, hypertension, diabetes that occurs in pregnancy has so many ripples. As you say, it can surface as hypertension later and heart disease. But what I think listeners need to be reminded of is that obesity in general increases the risk for multiple cancers, including breast, uterine, colon, esophageal, kidney, ovarian, pancreatic is now on the rise. So the other um, point that you stress, and it's so important, is family history. Tell us a little bit about that. I think a lot of us, um, particularly because our society is uh, sort of spread out, we don't have, um, you know, we don't, we, we no longer live with multiple family members and very often don't know all of our family history. And we underestimate the importance of that. You know, if your mom or dad had high blood pressure, that means you're at increased risk for de developing hypertension. If they had heart disease, you're at increased risk. If they had some form of malignancy, you're at increased risk. Those are all things that if we don't know about them, we can't appropriately protect ourselves against development of these conditions. So I'm, I, you know, my feeling is family history and our own personal history really determines the future. And we need to pay attention to that so that we can, again, uh, you know, my favorite word is mitigation. We need to have mitigation strategies in place so that it doesn't become a foregone conclusion that you'll develop these conditions. Exactly. And uh, I'm not exactly in the same boat as you, but as a woman physician, a lot of times women consider me the primary care doctor. And I've learned, or I mean, I was taught in medical school to treat every person you know, treat the whole person, not just their reflux or their belly pain. And I always ask my women patients, when was your last mammogram? When was your last gynecology exam? Especially if they have abdominal pain, I have to distinguish, is it an ovarian cyst or is it spasm of the colon? So I like to refresh our listeners' um, understanding of the word screening. Sometimes we know the cause of cancer. Sun exposure increases risk for skin cancer, cigarettes, and lung cancer, but we don't always know the cause. So instead, we look for patterns like um, family history or across the universe, colon cancer seems to pop up in our 50s. So let's start screening before that. But as you mentioned, there are nuances that change recommendations for each individual patient. Perhaps there's a family history of breast cancer or breast and ovarian cancer. Ashkenazi Jewish women are more likely, 10 times more likely than other women in the general population to have the BRCA gene. So the guidelines that are established by 
the brain trusts of doctors when we get together for these na national meetings say, okay, here's when you're going to start regular checkups, but here are the nuances depending on family history or the person's personal history. Um, because our goal, of course, is to decrease death from cancer. But the other balance you would say is how do you decide what to do in whom because you don't want to do extra testing that has risk. Would you agree with I that? I think that's absolutely correct. And I think that that is where there's a value in having the same physician who knows you and follows you and understands your family history on your specific risk factors, either due to environmental exposure or personal or family history. And, and, and what's really um, hurting us, as you say, is we no longer live as extended families because with the internet and people feeling like, oh, we're connected, even though we, we live across the country from each other, we're not sitting down at the table together. And, you know, I always tweet out at Thanksgiving and during the holidays with your extended family, go ahead and ask grandmother or uncle Ed or whomever, what, you know, what did your brother die of or, or go through the family history. That's the time to capture it. Wouldn't you say? I think that's absolutely correct. Um, I think any opportunity that you have to gather information um, is very helpful and could actually potentially save your life in the future. Yes. Let's take a little break and we'll be right back with Dr. Eva Chalice. Thanks for listening to Your Radio Doctor with Dr. Marianne Ritchie, exclusively presented by Independence Blue Cross. If you have a question for the medical mailbag at yourradiodoctor.net. so happy to be joined by Dr. Eva Chalice from NYU Langone, and we're talking about prevention of cancer in, in everyone, but in specific, women's cancers, gynecologic cancers. So Eva, let's revisit what we were talking about a little bit earlier. We make national guidelines, but one of the things you discussed at your national meeting is disparities in healthcare. Tell us about that a little bit. Well, as sadly, we know that um, there's an issue of access of care uh, for uh, uh, many women, uh, particularly those who are marginalized or minoritized, and uh, people who live in rural areas. Um, so in general, sort of to summarize it, underserved. Additionally, these individuals don't necessarily always have access to um, the highest standard of care in terms of uh, following national guidelines. Um, there's probably some level of distrust of the medical system also. And so, um, you know, we really have a long way to go to make sure that everyone receives the kind of care that they should receive um, and that they receive the best of care that we have to offer. Mm -hmm. And we had a great chat the other day because disparities would uh, obviously mean those people who are uninsured, underinsured, or as you say, uh, live in less densely populated areas. In Philadelphia, we probably have 500 GI doctors per square inch, whereas in Tennessee, I think they have a total of 400 in the whole uh, state. So naturally, their um, death rate from colon cancer is going to be higher than here. But we have a long way to go, even though we have a lot of doctors here. And we talk about um, people whose resources are not as plentiful. But my concern is also women who do have resources and their work day is now, especially with COVID and we're all Zooming and constantly in contact with emails and et cetera, that busy women who are working don't find the time to get their screenings. So disparities could be could include that as well, wouldn't you say? Of course, of course. I think, though, mm -hmm. um, uh, one of the issues that I think women tend to face is that they tend to 
prioritize others ahead of themselves. And the fact is that you cannot be of, of any help to any of the family members if your health isn't good. You know, the old saying health is wealth is absolutely true. And, um, you know, maintaining one's health takes an effort. It, it doesn't happen naturally. And I, as you know, as uh, I always like to say, it's, a, you know, if you drive a car and, and you want to make sure that it continues to work, you've got to maintain it. And the same is true of our bodies. Absolutely. I end every show with reminding my listeners that your health is your wealth. And I, whenever I do public speaking, um, I guess I'm not a rock star and I'm not Lady Gaga with her little monsters, but I call my listeners my divas. And I always say, just as you said, you can't help when you're in an airplane, put your own mask on first before you help your child. Yes. You're no good to anyone if you're not well. So divas, you know, ladies, treat yourself like a diva. You don't take care of yourself. Nobody else will, and you're no good to anybody. So let's talk about obesity. We said it increases risk for multiple cancers. It does other nasty things. Just about every topic we cover each week, arthritis. Uh, we talked about fertility a few weeks ago. It can decrease fertility in the male or female partner. Um, excess weight gain, we talked about diabetes, hypertension, but it also increases the risk of obesity in that little baby as he or she grows to uh, adulthood. Am I right about That's that? That's absolutely true. I think, you know, many times people um, sort of ooh and ah over, you know, baby that was 10 pounds, but that's not necessarily healthy um, when I mean 10 pounds at birth. That's not necessarily healthy. And we know that babies that are large for gestational age um, are more at risk of becoming obese as adults. And, I, you know, I think really, again, um, this is not a, uh, this is an issue of health. I, I view the obesity epidemic as claiming more lives than the pandemic has in the last year. Um, it's estimated that about 300,000 people every year die from causes related to obesity. So think about that year after year after year. Sure. And we're seeing as GI doctors, the number one cause for liver transplant now is fatty liver. Yes. Passing hepatitis C, passing alcohol excess. It's incredible. And uh, we have to start to move a little bit as a nation. So if family history, when we talk about family history, that's going to determine the advice we give in, ter in terms of starting regular checkups, maybe at a younger age, or maybe additional testing, or when to suggest genetic testing. Uh, and say, uh, again, in terms of rules for colon cancer, if you have a first degree relative, meaning a parent or brother, sister, child, um, we're going to examine you every five years rather than every 10 years. How does it play a role in your advice to patients? I think that that's particularly important in places where um, screening really works. And that's usually, um, we refer to that for breast cancer screening and we refer to that for colorectal screening. Um, in the gynecologic world, unfortunately, screening is not very helpful except for cervical cancer screening, and that is not something that's inherited that is related to the HPV infection. So, um, you know, that that is just a, a personal risk factor that uh, we can check for with the pap smear with HPV testing. Mm -hmm. And so that's probably why, uh, and I'm going to use a an acronym, I guess, ACOG, mm -hmm. American College of Obstetricians and Gynecologists. ACOG no longer recommends a yearly pap smear 
or yearly pelvic exam for an asymptomatic patient. Why don't you tell us a little bit about those guidelines and how they've changed? So they've changed because um, it doesn't appear that it's particularly helpful for people to get annual pap smears if they're considered to have low risk of developing cervical cancer. However, individuals who have um, evidence of high-risk HPV, uh, which is the virus that can uh, be associated with development of cervical cancer, are in fact advised to have annual pap smears. And so um, this is sort of a prime example of personalized care. You don't recommend the Mm -hmm. same thing to everyone. You adjust your recommendations based on that individual's specific risk factors. And so the pap smear is done at certain intervals depending on the person's age, their sexual history, their past medical history. And, um, but what you still emphasize is the need for every woman to have an annual visit with either her gynecologist or her primary care doc who talks about her GYN health. Because as you say, you might not do a pelvic exam every year because you can't feel abnormalities in the uterus or ovaries with a simple pelvic exam, right? If it's, even if it's a early, early ovarian cancer, it's not, I'm sorry, not big enough to feel. That's correct. Uh, I think the pelvic Mm -hmm. examination, unfortunately, has been shown to be uh, pretty inaccurate. However, what is quite accurate is an ultrasound, transvaginal ultrasound. So if there's any question in a situation where a person's having symptoms or there's a concern, uh, then performing the ultrasound is a very uh, inexpensive, not painful, non-invasive type uh, assessment that is quite accurate. And it would be really great if we could do a, a yearly pelvic ultrasound on people. The problem, because it's not radiation, it's yeah. inexpensive, I guess it's not fun for people, but by the way, when we say transvaginal ultrasound for our listeners, that means a probe is put into the vaginal canal and it gets that much closer. It's like putting your nose up against the window. You can reach the ovary a little bit closer, better, uh, more accurate um, info about the ovaries. But um, the problem with that is if we examine asymptomatic women, women who don't have issues, we might find uh, little defects and then it will lead to procedures that have risks. So that's why- as you say, that wouldn't uh, pay in terms of risk or, well, or any And issues. I think also people might actually come to harm because no procedures without yes. any risk, right? And we have found through exactly. doing these ultrasounds in women that very often we find things that are not relevant. And again, this is why it's so important to sit down with your doctor and say, what does this mean? Is this something I need to be concerned exactly. about or is this something that could be yes. watched? And, you know, that kind of advice can be given based on the appearance of whatever it is and um, and uh, the level of concern that the physician has about whatever structure they're seeing. And as you say, even if a pelvic exam isn't done, that yearly conversation with a gynecologist so or a important. Yeah. Women might talk about other issues that are vitally important, Absolutely. like abuse yeah. or... or um, A lot of anxiety. Yeah, right? Women suffer and from the, anxiety. Fa- mm-hmm. Depression has been very prevalent. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. Sometimes counseling by well, someone, you know, some, uh, counseling by someone who knows you and uh, knows your situation could be very um, uh, sort of liberating. Um, there are other things that can be done. You know, there are certain, certain tests that should be done annually as part of uh, regular screening for other conditions, uh, hemoglobin A1C, blood pressure check, um, you know, other things that potentially could have an impact on your well-being. Absolutely. Treat yourself like a diva. We'll be right back with Dr. Eva Chalice. 
Today's edition of Your Radio Doctor with Dr. Marianne Ritchie, presented exclusively by Independence Blue Cross, can be enjoyed on Radio.com. Listen to the show at your convenience. Go to Radio.com and in the search bar type in Your Radio Doctor. It's health education on demand. We're back getting very valuable advice about preventing women's cancers with Dr. Eva Chalice from NYU. Eva, we shouldn't move forward unless we talk about two of the more common uh, syndromes that family history involves, including the Lynch syndrome and the BRCA gene. Let's talk a little bit about the Lynch syndrome. Probably only 20% of um, colorectal cancer involves a family history, and the most common is the Lynch syndrome. But we know it markedly increases risk for colorectal cancer as well as uterine and then others. That's why it's so important. As you say, would you talk to a woman about her family history? A lot of women will say, oh, nobody had ovarian or uterine. But what about the men in the family? You brought that up in our conversation the other day. That's so important. And then you say, the man, well, what about your, you know, your dad's mother? So tell us a little bit about how you would go about really clarifying that. I think um, it's important to make an effort to find out both maternal and paternal family history because, as you said, this is not uh, sex-linked. These these uh, deleterious mutations are not linked to a specific gender. Um, and it's important to know because if you identify these, you have an opportunity to uh, intervene before these cancers develop uh, or increase surveillance um, so that you can uh, pick it up if it's early. Um, I think for Lynch syndrome, uh, both ovarian cancer and uterine cancer are significantly increased. And so um, this is something that we actually, for all women who have ovarian cancer, we actually do a panel test um, to determine whether they have the BRCA mutation or one of the other less common mutations or uh, the Lynch syndrome so that we could uh, offer that same testing to their family members. Yes. And I failed to mention earlier um Dr. Chalice is kind of like my sister because mm -hmm. we both trained at Sloan Kettering, which is so exciting when I learned that. But when I was a fellow at Memorial, we spoke on a regular basis to Dr. Henry Lynch in Nebraska. What a brilliant man he was. He discovered this pattern, first with identical twin sisters that had uh, colorectal cancer and GYN cancer. So to repeat for our listeners, big risk for colon um, usually before age 50, uh, up to 90% can get colorectal cancer. As many as 70% get uterine um, and the general population uterines in maybe 3%. Uh, but it also increases risk for ovarian, stomach, pancreas, prostate. That's why I asked men and women in the family. But the point being, if a patient is positive, their first degree relatives have a 50% chance of being in that same world. So we have to be very careful about family history. And then BRCA genes, we said earlier, 10 times more common in women of Ashkenazi Jewish ancestry. But we're learning too, am I right, Eva, that um, African-Americans yes. and uh, Hispanic women were finding an increase in those yes. patients. And African-Americans might have even a different mutation than others, yes? Yes, that's correct. And I think that's why it's important to really be sure to be on the lookout, look for patterns. You know, your physician should be looking for patterns within the family. Um, and if there's a personal history of that particular cancer, definitely have a, at least genetic counseling and or genetic testing. The difference between the two genetic counseling is um, a genetic counselor essentially extracting a strong family history and then using that information in a more formal way than your doctor would to determine whether you're at risk and genetic testing is actually submitting either saliva or blood to be tested to see if the genes are present. 
Mm -hmm. And I learned from uh, Sue Miller Samuel, was our guest a few times this year, uh, an advanced genetics nurse. She enlightened us that before 2006 or seven, that the BRCA test looked at three lo lo loci. locations mm -hmm. or three yes. gene loci, yeah, three foci, three loci on, and now looks for 10 or more. Yes. I could be off by a little bit, but the point is if you were tested prior to 2007, don't rest on your laurels. If you were negative, get retested, get updated. Um, so we talked about cervical cancer, probably 70% or more of the cases are from human papillomavirus. Um, and so just listeners, Take the, take the message that men and young boys and girls, females and males ages 9 to 45, get the vaccine because we want to spend a little time now on um, ovarian cancer. I just want to go back to Do, do you HPV. mind if we just go back for a second to HPV? So, so uh, um, cervical course. cancer is actually caused by uh, more than 90% of, of cervical cancers, more than 94% are caused by HPV, but specifically 70% are caused by the high-risk group that are 16, 18, and 33. Um, and so, so um, the new vaccine, which is non nanovalent, meaning it covers nine different um, viruses, actually mm -hmm. offers protection for even more than that, and that is the one that uh, is to get, the nanovalent, it's called Gardasil. Good to know. Mm -hmm. So nano, nine strains yes. of virus are covered because it causes cancer, not just of cervix, but yes. the vaginal canal, anus, oral cancers, and the penis. So if that doesn't scare you into getting it, <laughs> um, and I like they extend it to age 45 for somebody yes. who may have been negative, but has a new partner. Ovarian cancer, uh, family history really helps us identify uh, patients at risk. Tell us a little bit about that. So I think um, the big marker usually is a history of breast cancer because breast and ovarian are very commonly run together with BRCA. Uh, there are other genes that can cause either of those two conditions. And so it is important to do uh, what's called panel testing, which is testing for the most commonly known genes currently. Um, I'm sure that down the road, more genes will be identified as potentially causing these uh, malignancies. But what we currently have is that information. So a trigger is, of course, family history of um, uh, pancreatic or, or uh, prostate cancer, family history of breast cancer. Um, those all um, have to be kind of factored in together to see if it's just a common variety or if it's particularly linked to um, a, a mutation. Sure. And I, and I think, too, with BRCA, it's familiar to people. It's one of those, uh, I don't mean this in a, a derogatory way, it's a buzzword, but I never want our listeners to think that if you have a negative bracket test or a negative panel, a next gen, or it's in a more extended um, list of uh, uh, loci that we check for, don't think that you get a pass. Because I can say in my own family, my dear mother had breast cancer, my identical twin sisters had breast cancer, and now my my sisters, my niece, my sister's daughter had just had a bilateral mastectomy. God bless her. So we have no positive genes in any direction. As you say, it's a gene yet to be identified, so we're keeping our eyes open. But it's interesting for people to know that a tubal ligation may reduce the risk for ovarian cancer. That's correct. And also what both American College of OBGYN as well as uh, uh, a Society of Gynecologic Oncology have recommended is to consider opportunist, what's called opportunistic salpingectomy, meaning if a woman has completed her childbearing, actually removing the tube if she's having a, if she wants a tubal ligation, meaning don't subject the person to an operation just to remove the tubes. But if she is having some form of surgery, 
um, and someone's already in that belly, um, we're recommending that a consideration be given to removing the tubes because we know that decreases significantly the risk of the most common of ovarian cancers. It's, it's so important that people hear your words. This is just wonderful. Um, I wish we had more time to really focus on uterine cancer. That fascinates me. It's the most common gynecologic cancer in high-income countries. Cervical is probably more common in uh, middle and lower-income countries. But a woman, if she has any type of abnormal uterine bleeding, that is the most important symptom. Tell your doctor right away. Don't say, oh, I had a checkup a month ago. I'm fine. Report it to your doctor because... Um, it's almost, a, there's no way, as you said, to screen for it. A minority of patients have abnormal cells found on a pap smear. Am I that's right about correct, that? But that's rare. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Exactly. And when, when I try to paint the picture for women that the uterus is shaped like a light bulb and the metal part of a light bulb, the bottom, the narrow part is really the cervix. So when your doctor does a, a little scraping or a sampling, we're not getting cells from inside the uterus, and 90% of uterine cancers are from the lining. A small, maybe 10% are from the, the uh, muscle thickness, the f f right? Mm -hmm. Have yes. I read about yes. that? Yes, it's rare to have uh, cancers that are called sarcomas uh, that arise mm -hmm. in the muscle wall. Uh, endometrial mm -hmm. cancer, meaning arising from the lining of the uterine, uh, inside lining of the uterus, is by far more common. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. So what are the... Um, factors that increase the risk and those that decrease the risk. The longer your your uterus is fed with its favorite food, estrogen, tell us about that. So women who start um, having periods early and finish late uh, are at increased risk. But in all honesty, in the United States, the greatest risk factor is actually obesity. Um, we know mm -hmm. that uh, fat is hormonally active. It's also an inflammatory, uh, it causes an inflammatory process in the body and that predisposes to development of malignancy, not just in the uterus, but in other places as well, as you mentioned previously. And so, um, you know, I think if I can leave one message with women, please don't listen to your friends who tell you that when you're going through menopause, you're going to bleed more. You should be bleeding less. If you're bleeding more or mm. if you're bleeding any time after menopause, um, you should get checked out. And I think, as you said so beautifully, decisions should be between the patient and her doctor. But if you can put up with the hot flashes, you know, if you just treat with estrogen alone, it increases your risk for uterine cancer. If you combine with progesterone, it increases your risk for breast cancer and serious blood clots. So if you can just pretend that it's a hot day and sit near the air conditioner, <laughs> maybe deal without uh, hormone replacement therapy? Is that what you tell patients? I do, except in circumstances where the person undergoes menopause prematurely. In those individuals, there's a definite mm. value to hormone replacement therapy. Um, and, and, you know, there are specific risks to not having it. Sure. And if a person's had prior radiation, maybe for a lymphoma of the pelvis or rectal cancer, that might increase the risk for uterine cancer. Am I That's right? That's correct. Typically 10, mm -hmm. 15, 20 years down the road. Let's take a little break and we'll be right back with Dr. Eva Chalice. Thanks for listening to Your Radio Doctor with Dr. Marianne Ritchie, presented in part by Recovery Centers of America. When needed, call RCA 1-888-RECOVERY.
When Recovery Centers of America at Devon opened its campuses on the main line and in South Jersey, they offered a new approach, local addiction treatment led by an expert, caring team of professionals. RCA has since helped thousands and leads the way in innovative programs and exceptional inpatient and outpatient care, all in a beautiful setting that allows for healing and recovery. RCA answers the phone and admits patients 24-7, 365, including the holidays. All admitted patients and staff are routinely tested for COVID-19. Call now at 1-888-RECOVERY. That's 1-888-RECOVERY. And we're back in our final segment with Dr. Eva Chalice. Eva, I think you've delivered so many beautiful messages. Um, One of the things I like to tell my patients, I already mentioned earlier, there are families that have uh, pedigrees with a lot of affected uh, members with cancers, and the genes just don't show up in the testing. One of the messages that I try to share with my women patients is that if there's a family history of um, colon cancer in family members who are under, who are young, or if a woman has, let's say it this way, if a woman has ovarian cancer before age 50, or even before age 65, or uterine cancer before age 50, it markedly increases the risk of colon cancer. Um, colon cancer, and the reverse is true. Colon cancer before age 40 bumps your risk for uterine and ovarian. So even though there's no specific gene, we as GI docs see a lot of um, patients that share that risk, especially if they're young for one or the other, and uh, really screen them uh, very carefully. Um, I th- if you were to leave any special messages for our listeners, what would they be? I think, um, you know, I, I have practiced medicine now for more than 35 years, and if there's one thing I've learned is that the patient's always right. Uh, and I, I ca- the caveat being that I, don't, I may not always agree with them, but they're always right. If you think something's wrong with your body, get it checked out. Um, do maintain um, and take care of your body. Um, have the annual checkups and preventive care measures instituted so that you can um, mitigate any kind of risk of problems in the future. And if you think, if you're concerned about something, investigate because um, there's no question that we know our bodies, we know what's right and wrong. And, uh, it, you know, just because a specific test is, uh, is maybe negative or whatever, if you think something is wrong, pursue it. And as you say, friends mean well because they want to calm your fears, but denial is not always a good thing. Right. It, it's, a, it's a way to cope, but not, not always the, the right direction. Um, I find the uh, ACOG or ACOG, American College of Obstetricians and Gynecologists website, beautiful for um, listeners to read. And, um, and I also always direct patients to the American Cancer Society website, cancer.org. But the ACOG website is ACOG.org? Yes, and it has a patient-facing webpage in there. So uh, it definitely has helpful information. And then also the other good resources, WebMD. But, you know, I would say try not to, uh, not to doctor yourself. If you think something's wrong, go to your doctor, check it out, or go to whoever your healthcare provider is. Talk to them. Be honest. Don't hold back on any symptoms and um, and express your concerns and and let them be pursued properly. Absolutely, don't be Doctor Google. Look things up on the internet to give you an idea of the questions that you would formulate. But let the doctor be your filter. But as as you've said so many times, don't sit home and think this will go away. Right. Go and get checked, and if the answer is good you're, you know, it's a happy day. Dr. Eva Chalice from NYU Langone, thank you so much. 
I, I hope I have a chance to bring you back again because we've learned so much and uh, we really do appreciate your, your wisdom and your time. Thank you so much, Marian. It's been an absolute pleasure um, and have a wonderful day and wonderful day to your listeners. And now for your real champion, I call this segment Lace for Love. Your wedding day, you've dreamed about it since you were a little girl. It represents a new beginning and a lifetime with your true love. You want to look and feel beautiful. Planning all the details of your special day can be fun, but also a bit stressful. Well, think about this option, Lace for Love. Paula Sirtis is happily married and remembers her wedding day with great fondness. During the pandemic, she felt the call to help those in need, especially those struggling with hunger. She remembered a volunteer opportunity she enjoyed in Michigan. Brides who already enjoyed their day as a princess would donate their once-used bridal gowns so they could be sold and the profits donated to programs supporting those with cancer. Paula wants to donate her proceeds to feed the hungry. So far, Paula has collected more than 250 designer gowns, sells them at about half the price, and plans to partner with local nonprofits that provide food for those in need. She has a team of friends who work together to rescue bridal gowns, give them a second life. They have periodic weekend pop-up sales by renting commercial space in Livingston, New Jersey. Shoppers make an appointment and have plenty of time to search through the beautiful inventory and have their Kleinfelds experience. Lace for Love also has a collection of dresses for bridesmaids, mothers of bride or groom, and flower girls. Paula remarks it's especially rewarding for those girls who are plus-sized. Their faces light up when they know they can come in and choose from a great selection and try dresses on right on the spot. Of the many special stories, Paula recalls one in particular. A woman had been looking to donate her bridal gown for 10 years. She was divorced, and though the dress marked a beautiful beginning, it was time to remove that reminder from her past marriage. She was very happy to pass her lovely dress to another bride. It takes a lot of coordinating to make this project fly, but Paula enjoys it so much, she says it doesn't feel like work. In fact, her day job, she's a mechanical engineer who designs medical devices. Wow. Paula Sirtis, she's already married. She loved her own wedding day so much, she's made it her passion to create the perfect trifecta. With Lace for Love, she makes it more affordable for other brides-to-be to float up that magical aisle on their dream day. She's feeding the hungry at a time when our nation's history, when the pandemic has caused even more people to struggle. And she's protecting the environment. Instead of buying brand new dresses, share a gown that helps another bride celebrate. Less fabric, less time, and eco-friendly. We salute you, Paula Sirtis, your real champion. Learn more about this nonprofit bridal shop at laceforlove.com. Thanks for listening. Visit our website to hear today's show and any of our shows again, yourradiodoctor.net. Send us the story of a champion from your world. After listening to the show today, please take the steps to prevent cancer. Ladies, see your gynecologist once a year and call us at Jefferson for the Pink Plus program. Get a mammogram, gynecology exam, and a visit to discuss colon cancer screening That's three cancer screenings in one visit. Call 215-503-1631. 215-503-1631. And remember what I always say, treat yourself like a diva. If you don't take care of yourself, nobody else will. Please see your gynecologist once a year. And stay tuned now for my dear friend Sid Bark and the sounds of Sinatra. 
And always remember that your health is your wealth. Thanks for listening to your radio doctor, Dr. Marianne Ritchie, a Jacob Media production. If you're interested in learning more about the power of the radio hour, contact Joe Krause at 267-261-3428. This program is a paid commercial announcement and in no way represents the views of WPHT or its management. Today's program has been pre-recorded. 